I realized that we had built in way too much admin into our salespeople's days. And I received that feedback from our salespeople and our sales leaders. And as a result, we've redesigned our sales structure. We've offshored a lot of that admin. And our salespeople and our commercial leaders are a lot happier and more engaged because they can focus on conversations and doing what they do best. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. Over the last decade, our guest in today's episode has led the transformation of her company from a transactional recruitment service to a customer-centric talent acquisition software business. We will discuss how she navigated this journey, the impact COVID-19 has on the Australian job market, and how she nurtures the culture required for her sales team to succeed. Please welcome the CEO of Scout Talent, Andrea Davey. Andrea, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, Felix. Thanks for having me. Andrea, for those people that don't know you, what's your background and what do you do? Sure. So in terms of my background, I've worked in the recruitment and tech industries for 15 years. So that's basically all of my working career. I have a background in sales and marketing, leadership, employer branding, and recruitment software. So I joined Scout Talent Group 15 years ago, and I co-founded the technology arm of the business. So essentially, I led our transition from what we were when I first joined, which was a transactional recruitment agency, to the organization that we are today. That's a B2B software as a service company in the recruitment sector. Excellent. You essentially apply technology to a manual service, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Saw that opportunity, saw a gap in the market. We started by building a small piece of tech in-house and it grew to the SaaS platform that it is today. Awesome. I'm really interested always to hear from leaders how the pandemic has actually impacted their businesses. So what happened on your end from a sales perspective in particular, like how has the pandemic impacted your ability to source high caliber sales talent? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So the pandemic had a major impact on the ability for employers across the board to source great talent. And I think that's high caliber talent across the board, but certainly high caliber sales talent. Just to paint a picture in terms of the current recruitment landscape. Since April 2021, SEEK, which is Australia's leading job board, has experienced record-breaking volumes of job ads posted to the site by employers. So we're talking more job ads posted now than in SEEK's entire 23-year history. So there's more people trying to recruit. And at the same time, the number of applications per ad is at a record low. So you have lots of employers who are trying to source high-caliber sales talent, and you have fewer candidates. And that's not a trend experienced only within Australia. This is a global trend. So it's become a lot tougher to recruit great people. And there's a host of reasons for that. Border closures have meant that people haven't been able to move overseas or move into Australia for work. A portion of the working population left during the pandemic and actually hasn't returned. So people who may have chosen to retire earlier than planned during the pandemic and working parents, mostly women, who stopped work in order to care for their children and haven't returned back and perhaps won't. And I think another factor contributing to the challenge of acquiring great talent right now is that on a more personal level, 
the pandemic caused a lot of people to reassess their careers and their lives and their situation. It's prompted people to want to change jobs or change employers or change industries. Personally, my husband, for example, completely shifted gears. He went from a corporate role to taking up a mature age apprenticeship in carpentry. And that's just one example in a sea of many where the pandemic has prompted people to take a step back and really question what they want to be doing with their time. So all of these factors mean, yeah, it's tougher than ever to recruit and retain high caliber talent. What are some of the strategies you see or you probably also deploy internally, but also on your client side? Like what are some of the strategies companies use to deal with this talent shortage? Yeah, I get asked that question every day by our client and my answer is the same. So there are two things that you need to get right first in order to attract and retain great talent. They're two foundational non-negotiables. So this is what I tell our clients who are leaders, sales managers, GMs, when they ask us this question. First of all, you need to know your organization's purpose and its values. Corn Ferry published an article which stated that 63% of millennials, and let's remember millennials make up the majority of today's workforce. So 63% of millennials said the primary purpose of a business should be improving society instead of generating profit. And 94% of millennials want to use their skills to benefit a cause. So you need to know your purpose and your values, and you need to be able to articulate that to the market. Candidates want to know that before they apply for a job with you. And then second, you need to deeply understand and again, be able to articulate your employee value proposition. So what is it that you offer your employees that sets you apart? Essentially, why would someone choose to work with you? And your purpose and your values might be part of that answer, but what else do you offer that sets you apart from the other employers out there? We know that post-pandemic, the two things that people are most interested in is flexible work options and being able to be part of a diverse team. So if you're able to incorporate and genuinely provide those options as part of your EVP, you have a pretty strong chance at securing some great sales talent. Would you say a lot of organizations are doing that well at the moment, or is there a lot of room for improvement? I think there's a mixed bag. Some organizations are doing it really well. I think others need to take a step back and reevaluate their why, their purpose, and their EVP since the pandemic, because for a lot of organizations, that's changed as a result of the pandemic, but some people are still using that same messaging. We've gone through a massive world-changing event, so it makes sense that your reason for being and what you have to offer your people has probably evolved in that time. So the organizations that are perhaps struggling are generally the ones who haven't found the time to take a step back, take a breather, and re-examine what they can offer. Yeah, as you said, the market at the moment is so in favor of talent and they pretty much can pick and choose. So it really forces employers to up their game. Yeah, I certainly agree. Yeah. So you head up your business and you're obviously also spearheading the culture. What is your advice for building a culture that is customer centric and not just transactional in nature from a sales perspective? Like, how do you achieve that in your business? Yeah. Well, first, I'll let you know that that's a really interesting question for me, because when I joined this company, we were quite a transactional business, and we've evolved into a software as a service business, which means that our clients are entering long-term subscription-based relationships with us. They're partnering with us for three to four years in some cases. So with that in mind, we can't afford for our culture to be transactional. It's so important that it's customer-centric. Customers need to know that we're invested in their success and that we're invested in the relationship. So 
There are three things that we do to build a customer-centric culture. First of all, we focus on purpose. So our purpose is to connect people, to grow companies, careers, and communities. It has nothing to do with our revenue goals or our profit goals. It's all about helping our clients to grow, helping to connect them with great candidates. So our purpose is 100% customer-centric. The second thing that we do to build a customer-centric culture is we've built and we work hard to maintain a culture of conversation. So our salespeople are conversationalists. We recruit and train people to be really interested in striking up a conversation, whether it be over the phone or Zoom or in person, more so than simply sending an email to someone and hoping they reply or an email message on LinkedIn. We fundamentally believe that to really connect with a customer, understand their needs and to deliver value, you need to converse with them. So we emphasize the importance of conversations every day with our people. And the third thing that we do to drive and maintain a culture that is customer-centric is we've aligned our entire sales model to be customer-centric. So what I mean by that is our salespeople are account executives. They're responsible for both winning new business and also delivering or overseeing the delivery of that business and maintaining a relationship with the client rather than winning the deal and then moving on to the next. So they'll work with the client over the duration of their subscription with us and make sure that they're satisfied along the way. And we give our salespeople access to really talented specialists in our business. So our salespeople can bring in different specialists, be it in employer branding or recruitment technology, and introduce them to the client to help the client to achieve their goals. So making sure that our sales model and our team structure is set up with the customer in mind, that's the third way that we achieve that customer-centric culture. And in terms of the purpose, I'm always curious to hear how businesses go about implementing that for themselves, because the stereotype of a big corporate that defines their purpose is that it's there's a lot of meetings happening, lots of workshops, and in the end, you end up with a sentence, and it's basically being communicated to the whole company, and then it's expected to be adopted. Yeah. How do you make that practical, and how do you make it actionable for your sales force to actually live those values? So when we first came up with our purpose, it would have been 10 years ago or thereabouts. We did it in a collaborative way. So it wasn't me and my executive team sitting in a room and thinking it up and then telling everyone what it was. We really did involve the whole team. And 10 years ago, we were a fair bit smaller. So we were able to bring everyone into a room and workshop that and think about our why. Why are we in this business? Why do we exist? What is the value that we create for a customer? So we came up with the purpose together and that really helped. And then ever since then, we keep that purpose front of mind. So we talk about the purpose every day in our business, whether it's in an all-hands call or a town hall meeting or in team sales meetings at the start of the day, sales huddles. We're talking about our purpose and sharing examples of how we're bringing that purpose to life. And then the last thing I'll say is our purpose is to connect people to grow companies and careers. So we're tracking metrics as well. For example, how many new companies have we brought into the platform who are growing as a result of our technology? How many candidates are being connected with those companies and gaining employment and growing their careers as a result of our technology? And we have those numbers being shared at all times, and that helps keep it front of mind as well. And I think bring it to life as well for our people. Yeah, I love that. 
it's a great way to make the purpose more tangible if you're actually able to associate metrics with that yeah and be able to show what sort of difference you make for your clients businesses every day absolutely not only by looking at the revenue that you generate, but also the impact that you create on the back of that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have our eyes on revenue and profit. Sure, we're a business. You know, it's what we need to do. But the purpose is just as important a part of our day-to-day conversation and what gets us out of bed and at work every day. So having those metrics, those tangible metrics to bring it to life and show how we are delivering on the purpose and also the storytelling So talking about specific clients and specific candidates and the growth that we've been able to achieve and sharing those stories across the business has been really powerful. Yeah, excellent. Speaking of customer-facing teams, so you have sales, you have customer support, you were speaking about those specialists that sales are being able to bring into the conversation with customers. How do you leverage those teams to gain a better understanding of your customers and the market that you're dealing with? Because that's obviously especially from a qualitative point of view, a very high caliber source. Yes. Well, the first thing I'll say is that within our business, most of the people and the teams in our business are customer facing in one way or another. So it's certainly not just sales who is customer facing. We've spoken about sales, we've spoken about specialists, but even our marketing team and our software engineering team, pretty much everyone is customer facing at least from time to time. So Focusing on that culture of conversation for everyone in the business, building a culture of conversation, it not only helps us to be customer-centric, but it helps us to gather market insights across the organization because we're conversing with clients, we're asking them questions, we're hearing their answers, and then we're bringing those insights back and sharing them and discussing them internally. So in terms of how we actually track that information from a tech perspective, We equip our teams to use tools like Salesforce, where they can capture those insights. And of course, our own software product, Scout, the recruitment software that we build, that's housing a wealth of insights regarding how our clients are recruiting and what's working well and where they might need help. So we're able to share high-level trends using the insights that we can glean from our own software and Salesforce. And then we encourage the sharing of those specific stories and trends across the business. Speaking of sharing, I mean, the worst case scenario in an organization from a sales perspective is that sales is really siloed and doesn't really interact with other teams. Uh How do you make sure that there's no silos within your organization and there's really an exchange going on that benefits your customers? I think like many growing organizations, silos between teams is definitely a potential bottleneck for us. And it's something that we consciously work really hard at improving. I'm not going to say that It's perfect in our business and we completely have it nailed. I don't think it's something that's ever just fixed. You know, it needs ongoing attention. Three things that we found to be particularly helpful. First of all, making sure that our leaders across sales and the other parts of our business are communicating really effectively with each other because it starts at the top. The leaders have to lead by example. So we have weekly cross-discipline meetings. We conduct our strategic planning as a whole team rather than sales doing their planning and marketing doing their planning and customer success. We do it collaboratively. And then that naturally filters throughout the organization. So the first is to make sure that leaders are breaking down those silos. The second is our sales structure. So I've spoken about how our salespeople work collaboratively with specialists in order to create the outcomes that we do for our clients. So this is a team-based approach. And that naturally means that silos 
are broken down because different people across different teams, they have the same goals and they're sharing common clients and common goals. And the third way that we break down those silos is we actively aspire to foster a culture where everyone's contribution is recognized. We've grown up as a sales-led organization at Scout Talent. And the risk with that is that people can feel like it's all about sales and that can create silos. So within our business, we make a concerted effort, whether it be in a town hall meeting or an all-hands call or quarterly awards, to recognize and give shout-outs to people from all parts of the business, not just sales. And when we're recruiting and training new salespeople, we make sure that they understand the importance of that and how that helps to drive their success. So it's a continual work in progress. We have to always work at it to make sure that those silos aren't starting to kind of creep back in. But those three tips have been helpful to us up until now. That's awesome. I love your point about the senior leadership being aligned and they're not being silos because I've experienced it myself in organizations that I worked in that one day there was a silo because the leaders of two departments didn't get along and then one person was replaced and then suddenly there wasn't a silo anymore. So I think it's definitely a very powerful way for senior leaders to achieve that alignment, to collaborate with their counterparts, which then trickles down to the rest of the department. Yeah, absolutely. And I think alignment in goals is what makes that happen. So if a sales leader and a marketing leader and a client experience leader share the same goal, naturally, they're going to be working together and working collaboratively. I think that's also one of the side effects of buyer experience being such a strong focus at the moment for a lot of organizations, because it obviously not only benefits the buyer, but also within the organization, suddenly everybody's looking at the same goal, right? Yeah. And I guess that's where you achieve alignment, especially, as you said, between sales, customer success, marketing, all the departments that are basically hands-on involved in delivering that great experience for their customers. Absolutely. And you need that experience to be consistent as well. So the worst thing is if they've had a certain experience from sales and then because of a silo, they have a completely different experience with the client success team once they come on board. So again, so important to break down those silos. Yeah, yeah. I think from a CRM perspective, most companies have a CRM in place, but using it effectively also has that potential to share data, which then helps to break down the silos. So I think that's a common thread that I also see in market that effective CRM usage correlates to a better buyer experience um, because the teams are more aligned on that front. Yeah, certainly. And within our business, everyone uses the same CRM. We have access to the same data. We can see a view of the client, no matter which part of the business we work within. So there is that single source of truth. And you mentioned earlier the development of strategy and the ways the senior leadership collaborates on that front. How do you, especially because you're a fast-growing business, how do you strike a balance between short-term revenue goals and long-term strategic goals? Because yeah. I know myself from running businesses, cash flow is always a consideration. So oftentimes, strategic focus is a luxury that you can't afford. But how do you in your organization strike that balance? Yeah, I can 100% relate to the challenge of striking the balance. For Scout Talent as an organization, we've been there in the past, particularly when we were younger and smaller as a business. We would say yes to clients or projects that we probably shouldn't have said yes to, that they were things that took us away from what we do best. And yeah, it was tempting because it might have allowed us to hit a short-term revenue target. I would like to think that as we have matured as a business and as we have grown, we have 
being able to strike that balance more effectively. So key to being able to do that is clearly defining why our organisation exists and what we do to help clients. So again, it starts with our purpose. Our purpose is to connect people to grow companies, careers and communities. And so knowing that and having that be a fundamental message across the business right from the start, it helps guide our decisions as to where we put our energy. We soon realize in order to fulfill that purpose, our passion and our expertise lies firmly in recruitment and talent acquisition. So that realization allowed us to say no to opportunities that took us away from that space. So we're clear on our purpose. We have a five-year vision. We have a strategy to get there and it's consistent. It doesn't change at each quarter or even each year. And because of that, the short-term revenue goals that we set align with the strategy and the vision and the purpose. So at the end of the day, we've learned probably the hard way by making our own mistakes that chasing that short-term revenue opportunity, if it doesn't align with your purpose or your long-term strategy in the long run, it's probably going to be more trouble than it's worth. So it's removed that temptation for us and allowed us to really focus and hone in on the opportunities that we know we can deliver upon and do a really good job of. Yeah, that's awesome. And in terms of your advice for other CEOs, I'm always curious about that relationship between CEOs and their commercial leaders. What would be your advice for other CEOs who want to build better relationships with their commercial leadership team? I'd like to think I have strong relationships with my commercial leaders. I wouldn't expect to have all of the answers because, again, it's a work in progress and it's something that I'm continually working on. But some of the things that have worked for me, first, clear articulation of organizational purpose and values. Because once you have those, the rest of the decisions that you need to make around who you hire or which clients you're going to work with, those decisions really fall into place. And you'll hire and retain commercial leaders and salespeople who are inspired by your purpose and share your values. The second is to be authentic. Play to your strengths. Don't pretend to be someone you're not. I've come to embrace this as I've gotten older. So letting people know the real me, and sometimes that means letting go and being somewhat vulnerable at times. And then the third thing that's helped set me up to have strong relationships with my commercial leaders is I've walked in their shoes. So I've been part of growing this business. I was one of our first salespeople selling this technology solution. And then I recruited salespeople and I grew out teams and I was a sales manager myself before I moved into the role that I currently hold. And I don't let myself get too far removed from the front line. I'm still having conversations with key clients and promoting our products. And because of that, I know what my commercial leaders are facing every day and I've earned their trust. And I think that strengthened our relationship. And then the last thing I'll say, and this has been a more recent realization, I think in order to really enable your sales teams and to equip them to do their job well, removing any kind of minutia or admin work that might be getting in their way from doing what they do best. And that was a realization for me over the last probably six months. I realized that we had built in way too much admin into our salespeople's days. And I received that feedback from our salespeople and our sales leaders. And as a result, we've redesigned our sales structure. We've offshored a lot of that admin. And our salespeople and our commercial leaders are a lot happier and more engaged because they can focus on conversations and doing what they do best. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that, that would help a lot that you've actually been in those positions that the commercial team is in. Yeah, it has. I've experienced the highs. I've experienced the lows. I've helped to kind of shape the product and the sales strategy as a result. 
I'm quite a hands-on leader. I find it difficult to steer or give input if I haven't experienced it myself. So yeah, it certainly helps that I've been there. I've been in the CEO role for two years and sure, my role has changed, but I still find time to be experiencing the frontline and listening to clients, which has been important since the pandemic because clients' needs have shifted. So I've had to remain kind of in touch with the client along that journey. Awesome. Andrea, that brings us to the end of the conversation. So thanks so much for joining today. If our listeners want to connect with you online to continue the conversation or to learn more about your business, where can they do that? Sure. Well, to learn more about Scout, you can visit our website. So that's www.scouttalent.com.au. And in terms of connecting with me, LinkedIn is probably the best medium to find me. So search Andrea Davey, Scout Talent. I'm always happy to connect with like-minded professionals. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrea, for joining today. Thanks, Felix. You've been listening to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe in your favorite podcast player. If you want to learn more about sales enablement, you'll find a growing number of articles, videos, and templates specifically for enterprise technology businesses at kruegermarketing.com learn. That's K-R-U-E-G-E-R marketing.com learn.